and welcome to our Tap Talks HR podcast. Today I'm talking to Gina Kim Prunera, intercultural consultant around difference. Hi, Gina. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Anthony. <laughs> so, Gina, I know you're really passionate about different cultures, but do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? And then do you want to talk maybe a little bit about your own experience around difference? Yes, uh, love to. Um, so for the benefit uh, for the listeners, I am going to describe to them what makes me different. And that's uh, that I look different. So what makes me look different? I was born in South Korea. So um, I am East Asian. I look East Asian. And when I was six years old, my family moved to Vienna in Austria. And this was in 1979, so a long time ago. And I grew up in Austria. And at that time, uh, there were not many East Asians living in Austria. So uh, I was one of the very few, very few uh, who lived there looking different. And uh, I was six years old. And since then, I really learned what it means to be different. So in my case, it was, uh, it, it was the looks. I looked different. Um, obviously, also culturally, I was different because uh, I grew up in a Korean household but uh, in, in Austria, so in Europe. And uh, um, I, I really learned the sense of being different uh, from that point of view. And I have to be honest, I don't think that I was different. I didn't feel different, but very often I was made to feel the difference. And uh, there were the odd comments or, um, you know, the looks I was dead at as if I was from the moon. Um, <laughs> and uh, they would always make the comments, oh, your German is so good, etc. So uh, um, I was made to feel very different. And I think this had a big impact on me for many, many years to come. Um, when it comes to, hey, what's my identity and where do I belong to? And uh, uh, really looking for a place where I am accepted. So uh, yes, this is the start of, of the importance of difference um, that today has a big importance in our society and in the work that we do. But what do I do today? Uh, today, I work as an intercultural consultant. Uh, I focus on East and Western cultures. Um, I consider myself as a Korean Austrian and uh, I am married to a uh, Spanish Catalan and uh, we've got two boys and they go to a German school. So I think the, the cultural difference uh, has always been my passion and I think I will always, uh, I, I really need to live in a place where it is different. <laughs> I mean, that, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I know we've worked together, uh, to just let the, the listeners know, in, in an organisation, um, and you came in as a consultant to help. And from my point of view, when, when you arrived, yeah, you looked Korean, but then I was working in a Korean organisation. So maybe that wasn't my right, but I met you in the UK. And so I, when I met you, I didn't know of all the Austrian background, the fluency in German uh, and everything. So it shows that how physical difference I suppose is is just the the obvious one that we go to first as human beings and 
what other kind of differences do you see um, popping up in your work? So um, I work with people from all different backgrounds and that's cultural, um, uh, that's the education, that's a bit, any, any difference in the background. Um, and I found it very, very interesting. Why? Because I see myself in there. So you're absolutely right. Uh, when I go into a room and nobody knows me, then the first thing they see is my appearance. Okay, I look East Asian. And then uh, I have to explain to them what is my background. So I am Austrian. And then they will say, aha, so what makes you Austrian? And then I would explain about my, oh, I grew up there, etc. And I always have the feeling I have to explain. Um, and I think this is one of the things uh, which is also called bias. We're all biased. And uh, I've been thinking, why is that? Why is it that people need to, to work? It is very difficult for people to work with something that is unknown to them. So it's, it's a new culture to them or it's a new person to them and they don't look like them, etc. So it's very difficult for the person and it also naturally creates fear of the unknown and uh, I think this is the challenge to say hey we are all people we are ha we have different different um, uh, you know cultural backgrounds and you know we are different people but how do we work with the difference and in my case because I'm bicultural um, I understand the Korean point of view I can see as a Korean, I can see the world as a Korean, but I can also see the world as a European because I've lived uh, 40 years in Europe and I can see from, from, the, from the Western point of view, the world as well. So I can combine these two. And in my work, I try to train and coach my delegates what it means to see the world from different perspectives. I also try to explain to them why is it important and this is where my work comes into place because we do global work, we do international work, we work with people from different backgrounds uh, and we think different, we behave different and we communicate different and often our point of view is what we know. And I think the extra step I'm encouraging the clients to go is try to see it from the other perspective. And I think this is the, I always say it is expanding our mindset. It is expanding our perspective that needs to be learned um, so that we are more understanding of the other. Now, today, acceptance is a big word. A uh, big word, tolerance is a big word, um, but often we don't know what does it actually mean. Tolerance, okay, this means I am accepting of the others, but what exactly are you accepting of the others? And are you actually fully accepting of the others? Or are you actually just cherry picking um, the bits? And today's world, because it's so international, it is a very complex world, and I think everybody and I'm talking about children uh, about uh, you know students about leaders uh, anyone in this society uh, that they have to understand what does actually this difference mean and what's my responsibility in order to accept that more 
Yeah, and there's so much there, isn't there? And it's interesting you use those words tolerance and acceptance because to me, if you're tolerant of something, you're 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 putting up with it. You're, you're, whereas acceptance is you're you're embracing it 100%. And I think so. There's a big difference, isn't there, between tolerance and, and acceptance as, as as mindsets? Do you mm. think? That's very that's a very interesting point, Anthony. So when I come back to my own personal story. Uh, I studied, so I went to school and I went to university in Vienna. And in my heart, I always knew that I need to find a place where I am accepted. I wasn't, at that time, I was not accepted uh, in, in Austria, okay? And I always knew I need to find this place where I'm accepted. So uh, uh, with my first job, I went abroad and this was in, uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, after three and a half years with the same job, I was transferred to the UK and this was almost 18 years ago. And uh, I have worked in different organizations and lived in different countries. I've studied in Paris and I also had uh, two month, uh, you know, a few months um, uh, stay in New York, just looking for a place. Where am I? accepted and uh, um, I thought hang on this is a very important piece of work understanding that we all need to be accepted but at the same time in order to be accepted I also observed myself trying to fit in so uh, uh, when I speak with Austrians, for instance, uh, I speak very Austrian German. When I speak with German nationalities, then I speak very much German German. When I speak with the British, then I try to um, add some British expressions. <laughs> um, and when I speak with my Korean family, then uh, uh, I just transform into a... Korean <laughs> person. So I thought, hey, what's my identity? Yes, my, I'm, I'm intercultural, but where do I really fit in? And I was searching for it for, for decades. And in my work with organizations, um, lately, because Blue Life Matters um, was a big issue and then um, DNI was a big issue as well. Clients came to me and said, okay, sort it, DNI, sort it out, help us. And when I have conversations with clients about DNI, for instance, then they say, I don't know where to start. What actually is it? And I encounter this quite a lot uh, in people in conversations where they don't know, I am not sure what to do with diversity. I'm not sure what to do with uh, other people different. Yes, they talk a lot about integration, integration politics, etc. but often it fails. And I think it has a lot to do with personal mindset. And for us, for every single person to be educated, uh, what it means to be accepted, but also to accept. Yeah, it's... Um... That's really interesting, isn't it? Because that's almost saying you need to have an experience of difference to actually start to realize there is difference around you. So if the more different maybe you are, the more conscious you are of difference in others. So if you've, if you've been brought up in a very homogeneous background, 
then actually, but then you go into a workplace that's that's very multicultural, you're probably on a back foot for starting to um, accept difference. But you're, you're probably just trying to generalize what you see around you, which goes back to that bit about people trying to, that, I love that bit when you said, um, and, and you, you look at and say, oh, because I'm Austrian. And they go, mm-hmm, I love that bit. Because actually, it's almost like you can hear them putting you into that box in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're starting from a place where you have little experience of different cultures, different people, different types of language and everything, that must be a challenge. And do you think that's one of the challenges we have uh, in trying to not this inclusion thing? I think so. Uh, I think uh, this is a very important point, Anthony, because uh, when you observe our behavior, so we need to, we feel comfortable, we as a human being feel comfortable and safe uh, with the places or with the anything that we know. So uh, when we go on holiday, for instance, to a new place, uh, then we tend to go to a place uh, of, uh, to a restaurant, to a restaurant uh, that, uh, you know, for, for in English speaking, they, they would go to a restaurant where they've got English menus, for instance. Um, so they need to look for something, fam- something that they know and is familiar and then they can really feel safe. I think, the one step I would encourage, I'm trying to encourage in my work is also for all of us, we need to go one extra mile, just a tiny step forward to say, how does it feel like to be different? Or how does it feel like to experience something that is different? And uh, throughout all our cultural conditioning. So for instance, um, the British people, what I'm learning is that they find it impolite to ask too many questions. So I'm encouraging my British clients and say, ask questions, be curious and say, the way I see the world uh, is like this. How do you see the world? Um, The food that you eat, uh, how do you cook? What's okay? What is not okay? Um, and, And creating a conversation with something that is different to them. And by doing that, uh, A, they they learn the skill of, 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 you know, curious. I think curiosity is is a skill and using that in order to wanting to know more about something that is new to them. And this also creates a certain mindset that is more accepting of something that they don't know and is new. And I really feel that uh, um, I see this a lot in, in the client's work, but I also see this a lot in the community. It starts with schools, it starts with universities, it starts with uh, uh, in the society, in the integration. Um, we have a huge issue with the migration internationally. And uh, this is where I start. There is a lot of work to do, but it also starts with learning how we can adjust our mindset in order to be more accepting. Um, but then it comes back to accepting ourselves and the big word of being authentic comes into place because me personally I say a lot in my work we have to be more authentic authentic leadership um, etc but what does this word really mean and I find it very difficult this word I find it very very difficult to understand and then to define hey what makes me really authentic um 
And when I dare to be authentic, then I ask the question, oh, is this, when I am more authentic, am I going to be safe in this environment? Uh, or am I going to be judged? And there comes the vulnerability in place. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a very complex matter. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think um, I would challenge if people on an average day are, if there's anyone who's 100% authentic, because as you said, as you travel around through the different uh, families and areas you live, you adapt and you adapt. There's always this kind of like meeting in the middle to a degree that actually we, ad we adapt our responses to be slightly more polite. Uh, we adapt our behaviors in different cultures, um, even um, walking into a supermarket. And I will be slightly more um, conciliatory towards older people shopping. We just adapt. I, and I'm thinking I'm being me. I'm being really me. But actually, I do change uh, as I go around. And, 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 and I think um, that thought about being 100% authentic, are we just kidding ourselves that there is a true authenticity maybe it's we have to be authentic up to a point where you feel comfortable as a person that you're your real self but mm -hmm. there's is always going to be societal and cultural pressures on you absolutely and i have also encountered uh, lots of insecurities and um and i'm talking about an area that is very sensitive because obviously nobody wants to admit, or uh, this makes me insecure. Uh, everybody wants to come across, feel so confident um, and amazing. And this insecurity, I have seen this in senior leaders uh, a lot where they are saying if they are different, so for instance, they are culturally different um, and they go into an organization uh, and for instance, uh, they, they go to a, a, an English organization for instance, yeah? And uh, um, the senior leader, English is not the first language. Then sometimes uh, we can feel the insecurity in speaking the language. So for instance, I also feel insecure when I go into, when I communicate with uh, someone whose English is, is native. Uh, because it is not my native and it makes me instantly insecure. Um, does the other one understand me? Am I eloquent enough? Uh, my English is not as good as someone from a private school, etc. So there are all these thoughts coming in, uh, which makes me feel very insecure. And then this creates a vicious circle in my mind to say, I don't fit in. I don't fit in. And what do I have to do in order to fit in? And then again, it's part of the vicious circle to say, I'm, I'm not me, I'm not me. And I think we get so numb by this vicious circle uh, where we get very tired, where we get very tired and then we say, hey, what's the real me? And uh, uh, now I'm getting closer and closer to finding more confidence uh, in me to say, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old and I'm now in a state where I'm saying, hey, I really want to be more me. Mm -hmm. I'm okay to say, this makes me insecure, to admit and to say, I don't feel comfortable here. Um, and I feel insecure because of this, this, this reason. But at the same time to say, I have got all this background 
I don't really fit in in anywhere. So I have to create my own safe place. Uh, and I've come to the conclusion that I need to feel safest within myself with the many identities of God. Uh, and when there are still comments being made that makes me feel, hey, I don't belong there, I look different, for instance, um, yeah, then I have to maybe shrug it off. Uh, it's not easy, but I think that this is a mental training I have to do to say, hey, I feel safe within myself. And I think that's, that's and you say that so eloquently, Jean, I have to say. Um, I, and it's spurring so many thoughts <clears throat> in my head. And um, one of them is actually, we talk about belonging, we talk about diversity inclusion, then we talk about belonging. But what we, with, with globalization, with the mixing of cultures and nationalities, as time goes on, uh, we'll have many, much more populated, global population will be mixed race. Um, so actually, when we talk about belonging, it's actually when our identities are so intersectional, it's almost the only thing you can belong to is yourself. And you need to fully accept yourself to then have that sense of belonging. And, it's, and I'm trying to, in my head, understand how this, this feeling of completeness that you're, you seem to be aiming for achieving now. And, and I can only say, well, you don't, is there such a thing as multiple belongings? Because you talk about the different environments or, or is it a case, I, I just want to belong to me and feel confident in me? Mm, it's a very interesting point. You know what? Um, I when I look at you, Anthony, I'm thinking you seem to be so complete. <laughs> so what I'm saying by that is, uh, I know that you are British and you grew up in Britain, and uh, currently you work in Britain. Uh, your spouse is British, your family is British, etc. And I'm thinking, wow, that's so exotic. I don't understand that. <laughs> How does it feel like? Uh, as you have uh, using your own word homogeneous culture how does that feel like for me it's so so it's it's amazing because i don't know that and uh, uh to answer your question so for instance my children they've got multiple um nationalities so they've got a korean austrian mother they've got a Catalan Spanish father and they were born in Britain and they are having a German German education so it it cannot be uh, more mixed than that and I am very very keen on them growing up with a international mindset to say you belong to the world you have a part in this world and uh, it can be a country it can be a culture but you have a right to be in this world with whatever you are. And that's also a message to say, as, as you've said, Anthony, it is a very, very um, intense world. We are mixed and we're very all complex with all the nations all together. Um, and I think it's very important to say, we have a right to say we've got a place here. Uh, and to claim it and to say with all my, with everything that I'm bringing, uh, we can add value. And equally, people who, who see this uh, someone who is culturally different or who looks different, etc., to say, hey, yeah, we all have a place together. We all should live in a partnership. Um, and what's in there 
that I can do in order to contribute to, to make it happen. And there is a lot of work to be done. Uh, I see lots of integration politics that is not working, that is simply not working. It's very complex, I completely appreciate, but I think we have to do so much more in order to make this world uh, a more accepting world rather than uh, having all these clusters and people are put into boxes and say, you belong here, you don't belong here, et cetera. And, and remove all a little bit of the judgment there as well. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's, it's easy to highlight difference, isn't it? But it takes time and energy to understand someone who's not you and to understand the motivations that sit behind the, the behavior and, of the individual. And I know you mentioned migration is actually if you actually talk to some migrants about where they've come from, what they've left behind and why they've done what they've done, then actually the, um, you can't um, pigeonhole them in a box called migrants because they're all individuals. And uh, I just think it's, um, you're, you're right. I think um, it's easier to, to highlight difference and it takes time and energy to, mm. to, to understand others. And I think, Moving the conversation on a little bit, I think, because I think that time and energy is therefore really important in organisations and in work. So when we're talking about difference, organisations need to keep applying that, that pressure uh, of time and energy to help people understand difference, understand inclusion, a bit more diversity, a bit more. What do you think are the few things that, that organisations could be thinking about or doing or starting where they should start? Sorry, it's a very long question. Yeah, no, um, the answer is, first of all, they have to be aware that behaviour change takes time. So uh, often companies come to me and say they want a quick fix. I know that they want a quick fix because it obviously it's, it's cost efficiency and um, that's the thing about efficiency. I know that. But... Behavioral change, it starts with thinking, with, with thinking and mindset and attitude needs to change. And then the behavior will change. And then the way we speak and communicate will change. So I think the first thing is that uh, the decision makers to be aware if they are really genuine about a change in their organization then they have to accept, first of all, okay, we want a change and what does it take? And, and then make that happen. Um, and it is also about taking the responsibility and to say, I, it is not a six months project, but it is a project that can take easily six years. Um, but it also needs to come from the heart where they say, okay, we have an issue, we want to change, we want to, for instance, bring more DNI into our organization and have conversations around that to self-educate and not to delegate and say, okay, HR, you do this. No, it's not. Every single person within the organization needs to have a touch point to say, okay, what is the one thing that I can change in my mindset? And then this will ripple through, through the organization. So, um, when I work with organization, I always say, okay, how do you see it? What's your experience? What do you actually want to achieve? What's your vision? What is your long-term vision? And one training will not help, one training will not change. It will, it can trigger something, but it is not enough. And then to have a long-term program 
to say, okay, we do this slowly, take it easy. We don't have to rush things. Behavior cannot be rushed. Uh, and to look into this in a serious matter, in a, in a really serious matter, rather than to say, okay, one training can fix it. I don't believe in that. Um, and the other thing is also self-reflection. I think we need to understand ourselves, first of all, before we try to attempt to understand the other. And uh, um, the, the reflection, so the self-reflection, the self-development, I think is very important that the organization start doing that, looking into that before they want to change what they want to change. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's because it's such an emotional subjects that we're talking about i think i think back to kurt lewin from the 1950s his little model about unfreezing shifting and refreezing but i don't think you should refreeze i think this is a continuous thing but that part about unfreezing the culture is a bigger part than actually i think some organizations think about that that really true desire and and i like to say you say what's the vision the real true desire to 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 not accept how things are and to, to vision what the benefits will be. Only then will you get that really emotive language coming from the senior leaders saying, this is, this should have been done yesterday. This is so important, so. Yeah. And, and the other piece is also, I feel that uh, we need to be courageous. We need to be a little bit more courageous because we have to be able to admit, I feel insecure. We have to be able to admit um, <clears throat> uh, there was something that makes me different. Um, and I want to be a bit more of myself. And I think when someone starts saying this in their own mind, then it is like a muscle and then they will say this more and more and more to themselves. And this is going to be a message that they share with others. Uh, so a little bit more of, of courage um, versus speed efficiency so a little bit more human uh, I think it's important to have as well Gina this is this is a great conversation I could sit on this zoom call probably till Thursday um, and just talk about this um, but time is running out so one last question for you um, if you wanted our listeners to go away and think about one or two things from today's uh, podcast what would those things be? Mm. So we started the journey with being different. So I'm different. And it took me a very, very long time to admit that I'm different. And um, the main message I want to give, it, give to the listener today is think about the one difference that makes you so unique. Uh, and dig deeply because uh, this is something you really need to look into because we have covered it up for so many years um, so dig it out and say this is what makes me really different and look at it and ask yourself what makes me so in insecure when I look into this difference uh, what makes me feel unsafe and what is it that I need in order to feel safe with this difference and uh, what is where can I shine with this difference regardless of where I am. So this would be my, um, yeah, my, my main message for the listeners today. And that's a very inspirational message as well. I'm already thinking about my main difference, even though I've been called homogeneous in this uh, podcast today. <laughs> Gina, 
It's always amazing to talk to you. Uh, thank you so much for giving up uh, time for this podcast today. Uh, and thank you for sharing all this with the listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Anthony. No worries at all. And that's it for now. You can find out more about this and similar topics at tapsolutions.com. Thanks for listening as always, and we'll be back soon. Bye. Thank you.